One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed with our Deep Dive Thursday episode. This week, we're going to deep dive into Poe Dameron Freefall. It's a book, and we're going to discuss it. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsok, and we are finally going to get the story of 16-year-old Poe Dameron. We have the story. It's in our hands, and we are not just reviewing it. This is a review. Like Joseph said, this is a deep dive discussion into the story before we do that, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And Joseph, we're going to recommend, well, something pretty simple. That's right. 
we're going to recommend the thing we're about to talk about. And it is called Poe Dameron Freefall by Alex Segura. So if you haven't had a chance uh, to listen, uh, if you're a listener rather than a reader and you want to listen to that, before you listen to the review, you can download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. All right, let's get right into Poe Dameron Freefall because there's a ton to discuss about this book. Uh, Ken, we've been doing a, a bunch of reviews because there's been a ton of books, a ton of uh, audio dramas. I guess by a ton, I mean one, uh, the Dr. <laughs> Afra audio drama. But there's been just like a lot of Star Wars uh, uh, written and audio content for us to review and discuss and even more coming with Thrawn. Thrawn is his chaos is rising right around the corner. Uh, like a shadow looming on the hill. <laughs> that's right. That's right there on the cover. I think there's shadows and everything. It's uh, he's ascending and chaos is rising. There's just oh, there's so many things lifting up in that book. Can't wait uh, to read it and look at them blue pages they just revealed. But we are going to talk about Poe Dameron Freefall. It's another young adult Star Wars book. And in general, you and I have been talking lately about really enjoying the young adult books. Right? I'm starting to question my own intelligence level. Um, <laughs> Because I was a, I was a voracious reader, reader as a kid, man. You couldn't pull me a, a, out of my room. I had a, a book in my hand all the time. And I guess I just, my, my reading comprehension level maybe just stopped there. I don't know. I just enjoy the YA ones a lot. The, the size of the book in my hands, the way they flow, the big font. I guess I'm older. I don't know, Joseph. But I just think it does. We talked about Justina Ireland talking about her High Republic a middle grade reader coming out. And she's a, just kind of gets to the core of Star Wars and why you fell in love with Star Wars in the first place. That's why I think these books are still valuable. Uh, and, and you and I just, Rebel Rising, uh, Most Wanted, the, the the Padme stuff, the Ahsoka novel, E.K. Johnson's work. It just keeps coming up again uh, that, uh, I mean, Lost Stars, of course, the biggest one of all. Said, yeah, I just I just feel the whiz-bang adventure. I connect with things a lot better. does not mean Alexander Freed or Timothy Zahn with their deeper kind of more technical aspects are, are, are not Star Wars stories I enjoy or want or, or, or you know don't want to read. I want to. It's just, ah, man, I just get excited for these books like I'm 14. <laughs> well, that makes sense, I think, because a lot of them are coming-of-age stories uh, and sometimes kind of, you know, tragic, difficult ones with Lost Stars and Rebel Rising and all that kind of stuff. Uh, things aren't going to go great for Kira. Uh, it, she's, she goes through some stuff in Most Wanted. Uh, but uh, I think that there's an element to that coming-of-age that Justina Ireland really nailed it of. It's these this forward movement toward adventure and, you know, what's the waiting for you around the corner once you leave your home and go out there and experience adventure. I think there is also something that you were saying of there's something about them that they're always thematically complex. So it's not like they're they're simple by any means, as I think is illustrated by how much that we get out of them and how much we have to say in our discussions about the themes and the ideas and the characters. But there's also just a little bit of a different pacing, right? I'm mm -hmm. loving Alphabet Squadron, but there's passages in that that are like dense and complicated and dark. And we'll spend a long time on a, you know, in the Thrawn books, we'll spend a long time on, you know, a, you know, dramatic scene on a, the bridge of a Star Destroyer. Uh, and it feels like in general, the young adult move, uh, books move a little bit more like the movies from big mm -hmm. splashy moment to big splashy moment. So I feel like there's something in that, that they're they're perfectly dense in their themes and their ideas and their characters, but they've got a little bit more of the whiz-bang, serial adventure, cliffhanger, just in the way they literally move. You just said something that connected in my head a little bit of why I like it. These sometimes, uh, general sense, 
read like treatments for TV shows or movies where the characters are there, the themes are there. It's going to get deep, but here's just boom. Here's what it will look like on screen. And that's, that's not an insult for me. I'm just saying like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I get it. I see it. I feel it. These, these, these could be easier, uh, easily translated to a Disney plus show. We, we get those, that question. We love that question of what star Wars books would you like to see adapted and lost stars or Leia princess of Alderaan always come to mind for me. And I, I wonder if that's why is I'm just more connecting to them as if they're treatments for other properties they aren't they're, they're books they're great books but i don't know that that might be for me what i'm connecting with yeah yeah that's what i was thinking about is i think the ya novels sometimes feel more like the movies on page and then the you know adult novels as it were uh i love them but they feel different in in a good way because i think there should be variety like i love master and apprentice i'm really enjoying alphabet squadron bloodline to me is like essential star wars so it's not a criticism i think it's just that those read more like novels set in the star wars galaxy and sometimes the young adult books read like movies on the page yep yeah excellent i'm glad that we uh (laughs) worked out why we're so excited about the young adult books and that's the show we'll see you next week everybody (laughs) I think we both just secretly want to be 14 again. I think maybe that's what this is about, too. There's a lot in that where my career is talking Star Wars, baseball, and uh, playing video games. This is what <laughs> I mean. This is what it is. You made your dreams come true just like Poe Dameron. So great. So great. Uh, let's get into this specific YA book. So Poe is obviously a major character in Star Wars. Did you have any anxiety going in that you would maybe get answers that you didn't like about Poe's past? Or did you go in with any expectations of like, uh, we know know the hint of this story from Rise of Skywalker, but this is what I need to hear. Any baggage you went in with? I know it was, if you, if you, if good baggage is baggage, then I had it. I carried in a lot of good hope and expectations, uh, like a good backpack full of treats or a lunch for my fourth grade recess. No, I was, (laughs) I was really excited about this one. I liked this tip of the iceberg storytelling hint we got in Rise of Skywalker. I, I, I think when, when appropriate in this discussion, maybe up top here, I can talk about my feelings on, on some pushback I've heard or, or seen against what happened in Rise of Skywalker and how it went against canon. This is a correction. I, I don't fully agree with that. I understand where that comes from, but I don't fully agree with it. So I was excited to get this story and then if anything along the way, and there might have been a couple moments where, where I was like, okay, interesting. That's what that's what I guess the answer is. But nothing, and again, I mean this in a very good way, nothing in this story surprised me too much because I just think I was I was excited and clued into what I wanted from Poe. Um and it's and it's that's a rare thing when your expectations are are met almost beat for beat. That I got what I wanted for this character I love, Poe Nairman. And by the way, a character I also love, Zori Bliss. I, I got I got things I wanted from it. And that's why I think I enjoyed this book overall. Just like, okay, yeah, this was it. This is what I needed. And I got it. Yeah, that's a really great way to say it. And I think I hadn't really thought about it that way of, uh, yeah, I, I came in with uh, light expectations, uh, some treats to share with others. I had some fruit roll-ups in my bag and <laughs> your school lunch metaphor. I just had some fruit roll-ups. I'll share them if anybody wants them. Um, I'll but- trade tater tots for your fruit roll up <laughs> Oh, my God. What a bargain. I would love that. Far prefer Tabor Tots to fruit roll-ups. Those things are not natural. Uh, probably don't even exist anymore. Who knows? I don't know. I should have Googled before I said fruit roll-ups on air. Anyway, um, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it is I did super enjoy this book. And I think part of it was I, it was like I 
ordered a meal and I was delivered the meal that I ordered. Like it's not like there weren't moments that weren't surprising or a fun twist, but yeah, it is kind of vaguely what I imagined in my head from the tip of the iceberg storytelling that was in rise of Skywalker. Uh, I think going in, I was really interested to see because this has been such a discussion with a lot of star Wars characters, but in particular the big sequel era characters of how much they would box in this part of Poe's story. Um, if it was just like, hey, we want to we want to tell that story because it was kind of a, not a change. It was an addition to Poe's life story that was introduced in Rise of Skywalker. And we want to tell that story. And that's what the book ended up doing is just telling that story. But uh, there's a part of me of like, how was there ever any discussion of like, this should be in the first in the five book series or this should be just the big moments in his life w- with the Spice Runners. And we should leave room to tell plenty of stories. I feel like it left a little bit of room. Uh, As always, I forget to say at the top of these, this is full spoiler review. So if you're in here for just a light overall, what did you think? Um, No, this is spoiler town. Um, It felt like there was room toward the end once Poe finally made it to Kajimi and his relationship with Zori was bouncing back and forth between being a little cold and having a little moment of intimacy that there was a suggestion of like, and then several months went by, which felt like where we could tell a few more Poe's Spice Runner stories if we wanted. But for the most part, it was just this, hey, you wondered what happened? Here it is, period, in this book, from beginning yeah. to end. Totally. And there was moments where you kind of got that like, okay, you know, what else What else could happen? Some more, some tip of the iceberg inside the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and I do I do like that. Yeah, because um, for some, yeah, I kind of wanted him to have a little more adventures on Kajimi or just wonder. I was really intrigued and I love the description of life on Kajimi and what it was, what it used to be, what it's become. And we're going to dive into some of the world building, which I thought was really good in this in this book. But, yeah, I, I, it, it moved fast at times and uh, in, in, in a good way. We keep talking about that, but just like in the actual events of the story that I, I don't think you're wrong. I think they're I don't think we will anytime soon revisit those adventures, but it's possible and I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, and it felt like it had room if there's ever anything like, um, you know, the way uh, stories were told in the uh, Forces of Destiny. Like, here's a little three-minute story. Like, if there's that kind of storytelling going on or a comic book that's, you know, an anthology of younger days, that there's room for a little adventure Poe had, you know, that kind of thing. But not huge amounts of storytelling, it it didn't feel like to me. Um, The other baggage I went in with was really interested to see how they handled uh, the... Zori saying he left to join the resistance now because I think that's a thing that fans got hung up on of like but there's always been there's been all this storytelling of uh in, in before the awakening that uh book that has a story from Poe Ray and uh and Finn uh about Poe joining the resistance and the comic book you know there's been a lot about his life in the resistance leading up to the force awakens and um so I think some fans were really like, ooh, but he he couldn't have left to join the resistance because we know what he was doing. So I was interested to see how they would kind of handle the spirit of that. And, and to me, it wasn't a, a bad thing because I kind of, in, I made the headcanon for myself of Zori knows that, yeah, he left to jo- go join the New Republic. The New Republic kind of transitioned into the resistance mm-hmm. as it currently stands. But my headcanon that I liked was kind of in this book, which ended up being that you believe in Zori saying to Poe, like basically like you're not a true believer of the spice runners. You're a true believer of this other thing. You're kind of this um, goody two shoes who needs to go out and help the galaxy. And you're not going to escape the shadow of your, uh, your parents being heroes of the, uh, of the revolution of the rebellion. 
Um, so I kind of like it, it. It made me feel like the next time I watch the movie, I'm going to enjoy that line because it's not literal. It's not like sorry saying on this, you know, calendar year, A, B, Y, B, B, Y, uh, that, you know, uh, it would be A, B, Y. You left to join the It's about the spirit of it, of like, yeah, back in the day, you were never going to be a spice runner. You were always destined to be in an outfit like the resistance. So you left to be the person you are. Yeah. If you, uh, if you're held up on Finn saying where the last war ended, in Rise of Skywalker, when they're talking about Endor, and you're like, but Jakku, 18 months later, I get it. I'm with you. But I just, it's reality of it. Um, it's easier to explain. It's, it is it is what it is. But in, in this one, yeah, I remember before the, but I, to me, before the Awakening was already kind of rubbed, some of the facts were rubbed a little uh, rough by uh, by the comic, too. There's all, There's been a, we, there a couple little divergences of timeline. Before the awakening, I haven't read it in a while, but that post story, I was like, oh, this is like right before Force Awakens. And the comic comes along and he's like, nah, he's got a few years of adventures, right? Like, mm-hmm. already some spots. So I, I guess this is a point I want to talk about. I, I don't want this to come off as super negative. We have, we have friends who have this feeling and, and put it out there in reviews of just, I, I don't believe this was a canon correction. I don't like that term. I really push back against it. Uh, this was an addition to the story. And there are absolutely real world things that maybe you can't ignore that you've heard and the idea that uh jj abrams didn't care about the other the books or the cartoons and and all those things which there's some truth to that there's some truth to some of the things you may have heard behind the scenes of just him going to make his own movie uh it still is not so completely out of a line it wasn't like he uh, you know and your mom uh, you know cheryl damron what happened to cheryl bay we don't know (laughs) it wasn't that that's a canon correction or or divergence canon this was, it, it's part of the story. You guys have all heard, I don't want to get too dark, but it's like, we, you've all heard, you know, my prior career, director of public safety. I also worked in the foreign exchange business for four uh, months. I, I've never talked about that part of the story. It exists. And something really important in my life happened there that sent me into therapy, that, that led me on a path to discovery. It's four important months of my life. I don't talk about it, but it's still there. It's still part of my story. And for Poe to have this story going on, yeah, maybe he doesn't talk about his Spice Runner days in the comic. It exists. And Zori Bliss saying that we always say this, not every line of dialogue is a fact. It's a point of view. It's, it's, it's a, it should be taken as in the moment what that meant. And yeah, I, you know, it should Zori have said, yeah, and you left to join the new Republic. Okay. I can take that. But then is another character going to be like, well, what do you mean? Did you mean the resistance or you know, it, it just, it's bogged down in facts and we want the spirit of the story. Um, and so that's just kind of, I, I don't know if it's a soapbox or not, but I just, I, I don't think it's a canon correction. I just think it's a, an addition to his story. We're learning more. Yeah. Well, it, you know, if it's a soapbox and there's room, I, I will join you. I think that, uh, I think this is one of those places where you can, you can get caught up too much in letting the truth of the actual movie making affect what's in the movie. Because yeah, you can absolutely look at it as like, clearly there's a little bit of push and pull between Abrams and, uh, and I think the larger Star Wars machinery of the the comics and the books and what's on the data bank. Like when I was studying for trivia, like uh, the uh, I was trying to make sure I knew the names of different vehicles. And the there's different names for the vehicles that are literally said in the movie from what's on the data bank. So it's like mm-hmm. I was getting ready to answer those trivia questions. I'm like, well, if it's in the movie, they call it a skimmer, but in the data bank, they call it a sea skiff. You know, like uh, so yeah. clearly, clearly that's there. But for something like Zori saying 
you know, resistance or Finn saying where the last war ended. To me, those aren't, ah, they screwed up behind the scenes. Those are absolutely rich character perspectives. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it's Zori saying, you left to join, you know, what this was, what this inevitably was going to become that, you know, you can even fuel it into it's Zori's viewpoint because she doesn't think the new Republic was going to stand. So eventually there, there would be some kind of resistance. Um, yeah. For Finn, you know, maybe that's what he was uh, trained or, or, you know, taught. Uh, but it, it, maybe that's the way the history books are written. But that's just so rich because it's real life because you could absolutely ask someone, where did World War Two end? And they might say Berlin and then Japan would have something to say about that. But <laughs> yeah. people might say, yeah, of course, the the war ended. Oh, yeah. In Europe, in Europe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. You know, in real life, we don't always speak entirely correctly. We speak from nuanced perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and for what to remind me around my thoughts on this too, it just is also again not a right way, not not a right way, not a wrong way. But I approach these things as these living documents, these living history documents that are that I'm studying and they're rolling out in front of me. So even if there's something that I sometimes might be like, well, I don't know if I like that information. It's in the story, and I, I look at it from that. And I also think that goes a little bit into the real-world stuff. I sometimes take that into uh, my viewing. It is baggage. I had some baggage going into Mandalorian Season 2 because a lot of us knew long before the public that that wasn't Pedro Pascal. And I took it into it, and I was a little upset about it. I felt it was a lie, and I got caught up on it. You know, that's me. That's my fault. Um, it shouldn't factor into it. You want to talk about Padme and Revenge of the Sith. There's some real, real world reasons around Natalie Portman that's none our business. That's why she was written out a little bit, right? It's just some stuff we know. It shouldn't factor into the story. We can't factor it because I look at it as how do we deal with what was on screen and in the story because that's more fun for me as a Star Wars fan. That's yeah. where I put some of this too. Yeah, I know. For a fact, JJ probably was like, I don't. What's before the Awakening? Uh, you know, Chris Terrio may have even been like, well, I read and then <laughs> make our movie. You got to let them make the movie. If it's not giant, uh, you know, giant changes. Um, I, I'm fine with the, the corners, the blurred corners to tell s- stories. Um, and I, I don't want that to be negative or finger wagging, you know, uh, uh, concerned about how I want everyone to come to this and enjoy Star Wars as they want. And if little number, cause I look, because I also love the little numbers, love the maps. You got, you guys know that I, I want to look at a map and be like, Oh, Solace was right there. The whole love all that stuff. Um, but if a new planet pops up between Sullust and, uh, you know, uh, Naboo, I, I, who care? You know, it's like, oh, now I know that planet's there. You know, I get excited by that. That's me. Uh, and that's what I felt there in this book. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have plenty of little uh, canon things to get excited about. Um, the, the last thing I'll say on it and step off our little mutual soapbox is that, yeah, I mean, I think if you have a way that you enjoy Star Wars and the the outside realities of it are what affect you that's a perfectly valid point of view i think for myself what i like to be able to do is when i have a criticism say it like i i think that there should have been more of padme and more of her perspective in revenge of the sith that'll always be like a personal criticism for me of what happened in the film but then i'm also going to just go on and try to enjoy what's there Uh, same thing with rise of skywalker absolutely love uh the film to me it's a huge criticism that rose didn't either have more screen time or like a big heroic moment uh and and i think for me what i'm trying to do is say yep that criticism is there it's real it's valid and then move on to the stuff that i enjoy and you know and think through how it how it makes sense and how it works to me and how it can maybe be richer than i initially saw it 
I am right there with you. Excellent. Well, let's get on then to our overall reaction. I think we kind of shared some of them. Um, but what's your like big picture, like bullet points? Did you love it? Did you struggle with any part of it? And if you did love it, what was like the big picture reasons that it spoke to you? Uh, overall, yeah, I really love the adventure. I loved the smaller moments. There's some great moments. I thought Alex Segura really wrote Poe well. I could, I could hear Oscar Isaac, even a 16 year old Oscar Isaac speaking. Uh, I could, uh, I even really liked, um, what he did with Zori and, and her, her, just who she was. I could hear Carrie Russell's voice in that. Like I really, even down to Babu Frick, we'll talk about. Uh, so I really liked that. And I, there were some great moments, small, quiet moments with Lulo, uh, Kess, um, with Poe, Zori and Poe, which made me feel one of my favorite scenes in Rise of Skywalkers ever knows is that Zori Poe scene of you want to come with me. Like, I, I think it connected to that. I just had a lot of the same spirit was there and I saw where that come from, came from and I saw that connection. Um, I, I like some of the bigger reveals. Um, some of the stuff in the end, um, the the fight, the, the end was Ziva Bliss. I was there for it. I was there for the big reveal and what it meant for Zori as a character. Uh, I, I, I might have to read some of it again. I not got lost, but just like, all right, we're having a big arena, arena fight. Uh, some of the dialogue's a little clunky at times. Uh, you know, it, we're trying to get a lot of things going on, and, and that kind of pulled me back in the end. If I have any criticism, I think it's a light criticism. Um, the smaller moments work better for me in this book, and there were many that were just home runs. Cool, cool. Yeah, I think uh, celebrating the small moments uh, are great, and um, I, I would totally agree with you. I think one of the big picture strengths of this book that made me really, really enjoy it is how well Poe and Zori were written. I, they were just popping off the page to me. I could uh, a- absolutely see Oscar Isaac delivering <laughs> every one of these lines, every look on his face, on his uh, you know younger Oscar Isaac face. <laughs> Um, saw it totally as Oscar Isaac, not as one of the uh, not great action figures of Poe Dameron, but as Oscar Isaac himself. Um, and man, the the Zori stuff was absolutely phenomenal. Great to spend more time with that character. All of it emotionally matched this uh, badass with uh, a, a heart of, if not gold, of <laughs> a heart of uh, empathy for Poe uh, that we see in the movie and, and connected so well. You know, there's I think there's that line of, Poe said like uh, she looked at me and it was like she was reading uh, my mind with her eyes and you can totally see that moment of the want to come with me um, and also just having spent a lot more time with Carrie Russell in the Americans it was like just a lot of the ways he described her movements in like the intensity of her gaze and the shift from the this incredibly cold uh, hard nose no BS to this kind of explosion of life and laughter is like, mm-hmm. it, it all works really well for the character that, that Carrie Russell played so well in the Americans as well. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out to the Americans, go watch it. Um, I think uh, I, I, one of the big picture things that I really liked is that we already really talked about is that this was, it was strangely satisfying to read a story that it felt like rise of Skywalker demanded that this story be told. And then it was, and then I was like, thanks. it was just uh, we talk so much about stories that we haven't heard yet in star wars and stories we want to hear and timelines we want to hear and answers we want someday it was just so pleasantly satisfying to be like oh did you want that here it is thanks bye (laughs) i ordered steak and a steak came out and it was quite good and i enjoyed it yeah um 
in terms of specifically with Poe, I think I really appreciated that it captured so many of his uh, personality traits that we see over the sequel trilogy. And, you know, I love the Poe comic. Um, I love Poe wrestling with his guilt in Resistance Reborn. Um, but it really captures, you know, that he is restless, that he's charming, that he's impetuous, that he's got this specific kind of style and speech pattern, which is sometimes like a little clumsy and awkward and sometimes suddenly has like this really great uh, turn of phrase. Uh, and the, there was one word that Zori kind of shot at Poe that was half, I think half compliment, half criticism, but just like, hey, I see you, dude. And this is the honesty of you where she called him a romantic. And I was like, damn, that's perfect. That's the word. That to yeah. me is the one umbrella word that captures every element of the Poe Dameron that we saw in the movies in particular. You know, we meet him in The Force Awakens and he's the guy who believes anything can be accomplished. He can fly anything. He can stand up to Kylo Ren some, somehow. He can give Finn his name. He can take down that base. He's just like a go, go, go. Everyone's great. We're going to get this done. And then Last Jedi, he's got the like, never tell me the odds. I can figure out a way. You know, we're never going to back down. We're never going to give up. And that that's romantic in its own way. Yeah. And then in, in Rise of Skywalker, what I love is he's beaten down and he wants to believe in that romantic victory. He wants to believe that the, these group of current heroes can live up to the legends. Uh, and he's trying so hard to hold on to that, that sense of the romantic, that there is a possibility that, you know, there'll be another Ewok party and we will all dance and clap and it will be happily ever after. I want to hang on to that romantic belief, Poe says, but he's struggling, he's struggling. And then he's rewarded when Lando and all those ships come in. So just like all of these elements of Poe over the movie, like tied together in the word romantic. And I was really grateful for that. Yeah, I, lo I that, love that you brought that up, man. That's a great point and a great use. Of, yeah, I remember that moment. And then, yeah, it does connect, right? Because I'm going to Last Jedi where he's like, and then we blow the ship up. He just, that's what he wants. <laughs> he wants, because it is, who, who doesn't want to pop into an X-Wing and just take down a Star Destroyer or a Dreadnought or whatever? Like, right? Growing up as a kid, what a, you're looking to the stars going, I want to be in a Star War and I want to be a hero. And it's that, that's a romance. That is, that, ah, well said, well said, well described. Uh, it's so true. Yeah, and, and big thanks to Alex Segura. I think he's a perfect word, and it's great that it was delivered, you know, by Zori, who was truly seeing him, of like, oh, you just want everything to work out like the storybook, the way you imagine your parents' life was, you know. Yeah. Um, last thing I, I just want to be sure to highlight in overall reaction is I think a lot of the young adult novels are like this, but this one in particular really had that feeling of the foot-on-the-gas serialized adventure that I think was really present in the original trilogy and to me is a really big part of the recipe of Star Wars that a lot of time the chapters would even just be really short and have an immediate cliffhanger. And there was, while there was plenty of character depth, then was never very long before there was an actual literal action scene, like, you know, mm -hmm. space fights or, you know, uh, lots of kicking to the face, <laughs> lots yeah. of bloody lips. Like, uh, it was kind of always on the move in a, in a yeah. way that I think is important to Star Wars and I think is one of the ingredients that sometimes gets dropped. Yeah, and I think it's important to Poe Dameron. Absolutely, right? Yeah, Poe Dameron, romantic uh, dude of action. <laughs> romantic dude of action he'll bite the lip and give you a jacket <laughs> romantic dude of action look for my super super generic young adult novel coming soon romantic dude of action um let's talk themes um 
so uh, one of the themes that was big to me is similar to, I think, what is in the sequel trilogy, but this book had some different perspectives on it, I think, of living in the shadow of legends and or your parents, particularly if your parents are legends. Uh, some examples of this is, you know, Poe feels really defined by his connection to his mother, Shara, and uh, Shara, and uh, he, and who Kess used to be, he also feels defined by, and then it kind of is also defining himself in contrast to Kess's now not this romantic uh, rebellion hero that he used to be in his youth. Uh, Poe, I like the demonstrations that Poe is growing up hearing stories of the heroes of the rebellion. I like that there, he mentions the Millennium Falcon because he knows the Millennium Falcon, yeah. uh, the, the legend of the Falcon. And then we have that, all that represented by Zoria's too, that she is determined to prove herself to her actual mother and literally inherit the helmet of the spice runners. Uh, that's a really literal example of lineage and being in the shadow of your legendary parents. And then even the new Republic Security Bureau officer, Sela Thune, is motivated by the loss of her parents and family. And then, of course, we have even more examples of parental figures as it goes by. Tommaso, the spice runner, is specifically called out as being parental at times. And then, you know, the end of the book with uh, Poe connecting with this hollow of Leia and seeing in her this future parental figure so a ton of uh characters motivated by parents and living in the shadow of legends do you have any general thoughts on that theme love this theme this is part of the meal i ordered showed up on my plate we have been talking about what just specific to poe what we thought we might get and and i thought alex like tilted it on its head a little bit for me talking about my expectations they were met, but they were a little different. I, I kept talking about, oh, I give the example. And I still think it's it, it's true uh, of uh, Kylo and Poe, both kind of what I call the pastor's kid syndrome. The legacy of what came before might crush you and you want something different and maybe you go astray and you have to find your way or find your way back. There's That's very present, clearly. But I loved what for me was this little twist of, no, he's like. I want to be like mom. I want to fly. I want to be among the stars. And Kess has a realistic way to be like, no, you stay here. Let me tell you about what that actually is. And but at the same time, I'm sure Kess probably understands. You know, it's like, and I love their conversations. I love the, I thought it really honored Shara Bay and, and, and another mother character that dies early, not just in Star Wars, but in general pop culture storytelling over the years. We, you know, we've talked about that. Um, it yeah, works. The, the Bambi syndrome. The Bambi syndrome, right? Um, and it's and it's when used correctly, it is powerful. I get, I get it. I get where it comes from. Just like to see one more mother survive. And hey, I'll get to Zori in a second. Um, but Sherabay was present for me in this as someone who's a fan of that character and loves the Shattered Empire comic series and some of the other stuff with her. She was present. It, it, it was in, she was in Poe's life through his memories and ex his experiences. And I love when it popped back up. And so anyways, for me, this, this talk about this theme, I knew it was going to be there at least for Poe, but then to get it even more with Zori and to lean into that and with her mother, and I, you know, I have some thoughts on like, all right, so the helmet is a thing. Okay. It's a thing. It's like almost like Infus Nest. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a Star Wars tradition. I can, I can, wasn't what I wanted or expected, but I got it. But beyond that, I don't care about the helmet. Well, I do. It's cool. But just, yeah, it was a different kind of parent relationship. And it was mother. <laughs> it was powerful mother. And I really enjoyed that. And then it tossed in the Sila uh, uh, Thune stuff. You, you're so right. And where her choice, she had a choice to deviate from that. And she didn't. And it cost her. But I understand why. And I understand the motivation. All interesting stuff. It 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 it, it hit on everything. 
I thought I was going to get in its own special, unique way, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I think I really enjoyed it from a couple of perspectives. One that, you know, it, it's easy to just say as a kind of thematic statement of like, we're always, we're all affected by the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then to see these characters who are like very specifically in the actual literal immediate conditions and choices of their life. It's not like, oh, you know, my, you know, my parents, uh, you know, I, I might have uh, inherited this trait or like, you know, how do we deal with the baggage of the past? It's like, no, literally <laughs> life and, and death choices uh, right in front of you are being affected by who your parents are and your reaction to them. So I, I liked how literal and direct it was. Um, mm-hmm. I also like that there's this meta level of, and I know I say meta level a lot and I, I'm tempted to apologize. I meta apologize for saying meta level too often. We but there's a four center bingo card. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Uh, and then we'll make a bingo card and that will be meta. Um, there is, but there is a meta level of Poe in story is looking up to these legends. But in our real world, he is a new Star Wars character uh, that is created in the shadow of these legacy Star Wars characters. And I like that this book really pulls that out. If he's got this little bit of what we had associated with Luke of like literal farm boy who's doesn't want to stay on the farm but has a caring parent who's like but it's too dangerous for you out there kid um and then he's got this part of han that's really the reckless charming i'll bumble my way through it but make it work out i'm handsome and i'm roguish and i can fly anything and i'm cocky he's got all this great uh han energy and then he's got this like you were saying this deep connection to shara bay which is kind of new uh, but also really connects him with Leia that like I, I couldn't stop thinking about how much um, his mother meant to him and that he, how much that would lead him to really see Leia not just as his general and not just a hero to look up to, but as absolutely a surrogate mother. Like Charbet created this huge vacuum and here is this perfect person to fill it, this old friend and ally and and hero uh, that he that you know, that Leia was all those things to Shara Bay. So he become Poe becomes, I think, his own totally unique character, but he lives in this galaxy and he's got he's kind of this cocktail of all these influences from the big three. Mm. Because yeah. he's got he's got that element of kind of child of destiny of Luke in a way. He's got that element of uh roguish, cocky, uh, smuggler of Han, and he's got what Leia kind of has always represented of the like firm moral code do what is right care about the big picture and all that stuff too so he's got a little bit of all of them mm. yeah which is why yeah yeah because tying it to luke and the farm boy wanting out right um what we always talk about luke's journey he wants to go go be a great warrior and he has to learn what that really means and maybe it's not what he thought and that exactly that's poe dameron too i so that's why i love the switch because i had it in my head like yeah, man, he would join a spice for he's he would go to the quote unquote dark side in, in in his own way because man, the the rebellion took his mom in a way. You know, she died when he was young and there had to be something, you know, and I, I had that I had that view, but to have it flip for me a little bit, to have it's like, no, he's like, Oh man, I, I want to be like my mother. I want to be a great hero, a great pilot. Uh, I I want to leave this planet to make a difference. And and his it starts with his dad, but the Spice Runners is the next version of it, and then you see it again in Last Jedi with Leia slapping him in the face with it. You see him what you described in Rise of Skywalker of oh, this is different. It is that journey. He has to learn what that to be that specific kind of hero really is, and so to get that really connection here at the beginning, it it, it moved me in a in a nice way for um, what I love about the Poe Dameron character. 
Yeah, it's a great complexity that he has all these things that we we would look at, uh, I think, just as a kind of neutral audience is like, oh, you're really talented. You're really charming. You're really handsome. Uh, you are the child of, you know, likable war heroes. I bet everything was great for you. Like, no, he still has to really go on this journey to really figure out who he needs and wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, did you relate to just the general... There, there's a lot in, in here about just literally taking your parents' life path of... Uh, Poe is trying to take Shara's and Cass kind of wants, would prefer that Poe takes his path. Uh, and then everything with Zori is just indoctrination, right? Just you will become your mother. That's, you know, what the helmet is about. Prove that you can become your mother and, and there's nothing but being a spice runner. Did you relate to that? Did you ever feel that in your real life that was there pressure to just be exactly who your parents were or to take a specific lesson from their life to do or not do something they did? Yeah, uh, not not. Yes and no. It's like, uh, wow, yeah, you dig it. We're digging deep into parental issues here, aren't we? No, uh, I'm very <laughs> great. Uh, still married, uh, mother and father, and and a uh, good supportive home. But there was, you know, so they're 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 a little more like Kess. Um, the hey, we're in a nice town, Aurora Grande, California. It's 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 uh, not as uh, humid as Yavin Four, but it's small. Uh, you know, just you have some big dreams, but hey. Played safe. <laughs> and <laughs> I've learned more from things they didn't do in their lives, from paths they didn't take, uh, particularly my father, who, who has some art skills uh, that I don't have, but just has some creative creative skills that he didn't continue to develop because he, he wanted to kind of do the right thing and get the job and, and f- support the family. And, and I don't regret that. And I don't, you know, he can't regret it either. But like, I didn't want that. And I was like, got to get out of this town. And they're supportive, but, but, so for me, it, it's a little bit of Kess and Poe. Uh, they didn't pull me back. They didn't come to LA and go, "We found you." <laughs> they helped me move there, so they're very supportive. But I had it. it I, 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 I see. I see Poe looking at Kess and and going, I, "There's some things there I don't want to be," and I and I like that. I can, yeah, I can relate to it. Yeah, wow, that's really that's really powerful and really interesting because I, I have a somewhat similar journey. Like I, there, there was definitely some uh, reasons that I related to Luke in terms of the oh, hey, the world's scary. Maybe you just shouldn't leave. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't grow up. And and definitely, I had some uh, challenges with that, which is why I always relate to those stories. But then, in terms of what to kind of be or not be, it's a very similar thing. Of my dad is extremely talented artist. Um, and just kind of feedback from the outside world is one of the first things I've ever complimented on is just like doodling places as a kid, drawing dumb pictures of Batman teachers and other kids would be like, Oh, you're a good drawer. Um, so it was something that I internalized really early. And I think one of the reasons that star Wars, uh, always struck me too, of this idea of, you know, the force is strong in our family. For me, there's just evidence. Like uh, my dad was a good visual artist and so was, uh, my brother and he has five siblings and every one of them was good. It was just like, it ran in our family. Um, so it should be, but like, yeah, in my, my dad is ridiculously talented. Um, he, he, he had like kind of what, what should be like a movie story of he was, I think doodling on a chalkboard when he was a janitor. Um, and the teacher was like, uh, who saw it, it was like, you need to go to an art college, uh, and, and helped him and got him a scholarship. And, and my dad went there for a while and then like had the Castamarin in his ear. <laughs> and like, nope, I gotta, I gotta do what's right. And, you know, art's not going to pay. Uh, so I think knowing that story, both my dad w- was always encouraging and I always felt encouraged that don't back away from using 
my interest in the arts in some way. Uh, so I think there is an interesting uh, reflection of some of the themes of these in these Star Wars stories of sometimes we learn by being exactly like our parents. And sometimes we learn by saying, oh, this is this wonderful thing about uh, my parents and about my legacy. And I have to go after it. I have to totally live that part of the legacy of my family. Mm, interesting. Parental talk here. On force. <laughs> yeah, I figured why not. I feel like sometimes with the themes, to me, it makes sense to talk a little bit about like how do they truly affect us? If these are uh, sometimes morality tales for help us uh, on our journey in life as uh, 12-year-olds and uh, middle-aged 12-year-olds, <laughs> yeah. good to check in on, uh, on the reality of it all. A um, couple other themes I want to discuss, and the next one is the sort of the nature of adventure. This was really interesting to me because Star Wars, is, of course, it, it, the big thing about it is adventure. I've talked about this episode about cliffhangers and serialized adventure and pulp and fast moving. Hey, yay, adventure. Uh, but I thought this uh, story had a lot of things, interesting things to say about adventure by contrasting it with other ideas. There was this idea of adventure versus comfort. Uh, Poe experiences, you know, both the thrill and the horror of adventure where he finally gets it and is like, oh yeah, hey, it's this is quite exciting, but I could die and people around me are dying and it's it's really awful. Uh and you know, growing up he has this very comfortable, predictable life on Yavin, which at first he just kind of hates, understandably, but then he gets that point where he's longing for it. There's that great passage where he's like, I'm enjoying the adventure, but I just wish I knew where I was sleeping each night. <laughs> where he wants that like balance between comfort and adventure. Uh, and even I think with Zori, she seems to find some kind of comfort in Poe and some vulnerability in Poe that uh, she needs the comfort. Um, but it's kind of coming out of this shared adventure that they're having. Uh, and then there's this other theme of adventure versus purpose. And I felt like this was a big deal that yeah. Poe really wrestles with. Great, I'm having these adventures like I wanted, but I don't think they have a moral foundation. And when he was growing up, Shara Bay had adventures with the moral foundation. And, and he's thinking about our adventure is valuable if you're not doing them for a good reason. And Zori is the opposite. She is super focused on purpose. It doesn't seem like she's like uh, having a thrill at ride. It's like, this is what you do to be a spice runner. You're all in and you do these things and I have nothing but purpose. I am purpose personified. Um, and then uh, we even get that a little bit with uh, Selethun, I think as well of kind of wrestling with how much of her job is, uh, is about the the purpose that she's supporting. She's not really tempted by adventure. We'll talk her about her a little bit more, but I still think there is threads of of why are you doing this and and her being motivated by purpose uh, more than adventure. So, do you have thoughts on that? Did that resonate with you? It, it really did. Gosh, and I, I'm kicking myself because there was a page I was like, oh, put this note down. Uh, maybe you can help me remember. Uh, but it was literally. I'm paraphrasing. I say literally, and I'm paraphrasing. But it was, <laughs> it was Poe says, I, you know, I don't know why we're fighting, but I know who I'm fighting right now. It's, it's the, you know, there was a little firefight going on. I think so. I know what I have. I, I know my opponent right now, but I don't know why they're my, why they're my opponent in a way. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it really grabbed me, and it connects to to just Poe himself, but but definitely moves into the other parts of the story. But now again, Zori, Zori, like I said, Zori definitely has some purpose, uh, and, and right or wrong, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily consider the Spice Runner's path to be the right path, but <laughs> she has her purpose. But then that goes into me into questions about legacy and also being maybe trapped by a legacy and 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 Ziva probably not the best of parents, uh, parents. Um, but, no, 
no, I, you know, eh. uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, that really, really is a big important question because Thune is is like I said, I get it, man. It's vigilante justice, and she her whole career is fueled by it, and I it's not wrong to me, but it leads somewhere wrong. And I always talk about I do love when a character that you can get behind, a character you can say, oh, I like that character, but then the character does something and they they pay a, a price for it. There's a cost to their choice. And that to me means you can even learn more from that character more than just having them up as, on your wall as a poster, right? Right. Uh, and and she makes a, 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 a mistake of the heart that's completely understandable that probably – uh, didn't have to go that way. And and it's a valuable lesson about what is the purpose for what you're doing here? We talk often about, you know, especially in Clone War stuff, you know, uh, how you fight is just a, as important as, as fighting, I guess, you know, what's the purpose behind it, how you approach it, the morality of it. And I just felt that with Thune. I just felt that tragic. Like, I, I mean, we're doing spoilers. When, when, when it was confirmed, she's gone. I was like, no, but also I'm glad he did that. <laughs> <laughs> like no there is a cost for this bat yoda yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely i love a, a ton of what you're saying i think there was a lot here in, in this book about why we fight and how we fight matters you know as much as the choice just to fight um that you know and i think that to me is a lot of the morality of star wars is violence is to be avoided at all costs uh but when it does have to happen it matters you know, how and why you do it. I think that's the power of the roses. You know, we're not going to fight what we hate. We're going to say what we love uh, mm -hmm. speech and, and why the Jedi are all about defense uh, and all, all those kind of big ideas. Do, do you think this is a good idea for Star Wars just to kind of wrestle with the nature of adventure? Because obviously it's thrilling. And that's one of the reasons that Star Wars was popular in 1977 because it was a, a thrill ride. And, and I still want sometimes Star Wars to be a faster, pacier thrill ride. But do you think it's a good idea for Star Wars to balance out that, that actual desire that we have for entertainment and for a vicarious thrills through these stories to balance that out with saying, but remember the adventure has to be for something. Is, is that good morality? Is that necessary in Star Wars? I think it is. I think it becomes more and more necessary. Um, again, I, I, I hate to go down paths of right ways and wrong ways because you can enjoy it on the pew-pew level of it all. We clearly do. We clearly do. <laughs> Big pew-pew uh, fans. Big pew-pew fans. I was pew-pewing last night on Twitch. It was a lot of fun. And <laughs> no, one, no one can hear my game audio because I'm trying out Streamlab stuff, so I had to add in the sounds of the uh, heavy repeating blasters. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I love the pew-pew-pew. Uh, Joseph, if we were on a playground right now, I wouldn't be like, let's reenact the campfire scene where we're talking about morals. I'd be like, <laughs> blasters and go pew-pew-pew. But I think it's important, becomes increasingly important uh, to analyze the why of it. That's why we love that. Uh, again, uh, God, I hate it. Put it on the bingo card going across to uh, Game of Thrones. I think there is a big misconception and misunderstanding of some of the motivations of Jon Snow and why he died. I get a lot of like, I, want, I hear a lot of my friends, oh, I, you know, Jon's a hero. He was willing to stand in front of the, the army of Ramsey Bolton by himself with a sword. It's like, yeah, he also did that out of mistake, out of passion. It would have, it should have cost him his life. Thank God his sister saved his butt. But also, <laughs> he dies in season five by standing up to tradition and saying, we got to do what's right by these people that we've put on the other, our ancestors put on the other side of the wall. We need them to survive. And he dies for it. That's what makes him a hero. 
not that he stood a great shot, perhaps one of the best shots in not just Game of Thrones, but in any, anything in genre kind of storytelling. Him with that sword, it's, it's my favorite. But he's there because he messed up. He dies because he makes a choice. The purpose of his story, the purpose of adventure. And I think Star Wars needs that because you can stop on the pew, pew, pew. You can stop on Poe Dameron's a spice runner and he's just fighting and you got to kill. Sometimes you got to kill. There's a lot of mentions of the gray area of life here in this book. Direct mentions from Zori and him. And there are gray areas and we're diving into it. But I think it's important for Star Wars to analyze, again, why did Luke Skywalker actually go? He left the planet. We get it. But he becomes a warrior and a hero. But why is he a hero? I think it's important. It's a more important Star Wars nowadays. Yeah. And it was really, really fun to just literally be in the head of a character who, like us, grew up <laughs> with the original trilogy characters as heroes in his own mind. And then for him to kind of just be like us, to go like, yeah, what if I was on a speeder bike in Endor? That would be cool. But what part of it is cool uh, to actually experience. It's obviously a, a vicarious thrill for us to watch, but I like that we're going through the head of a character like Poe, who is very like us, uh, to to wrestle with the why of it. And, I, and then I think it's balanced out by this other part of examining adventure, of this idea of adventure versus comfort. Uh, now, I, I will be honest, I'm super obsessed with this. I think about it all the time because I think uh, I, I don't get to have big pew pew adventures. I don't have an actual working lightsaber. Uh, but I think adventure versus comfort for me is one of the uh, dualities that we really wrestle with as individuals and in society of like, we kind of want something new and exciting, but then we're also comforted by the familiar. I think honestly, it's one of the reasons that Star Wars sometimes, uh, why you literally couldn't make uh, a, a piece of Star Wars to, to pander to people <laughs> because we want both. We want the thrill of coming home to the Star Wars we know, and we also want Star Wars to be entirely new. But then sometimes when it's new, we're like, not like that. <laughs> but if it's not new enough, then it's like, well, what's, it's boring. It's the same. Like, there's so much in our lives that I think fall into this adventure versus comfort. Um, and I think one of the values of that, of looking at it through that lens, like in a book like this, is it's not saying, hey, adventure is bad. It's questioning if you go out and have exciting adventures and just people die all around you and you have to kill people and you don't know why, it's saying, that's not great. Uh, but then it's also saying, yeah, Poe would not grow into the person that he needs and wants to be. And the galaxy would suffer if people were not willing to take risks. You can't just always have comfort. You can't have, you can't just look away from the problems in the galaxy and just go about the mundane adventure is needed. And I think to me that gets to the, it, why it's good that there is adventure in Star Wars. It's not just a meaningless vicarious thrill. It's not just like, it's a boring Tuesday and now I can uh, watch uh, Ray kick some ass. <laughs> yeah. It's that we need that in our lives because it's, a. I think as humans, it's part of who we are is we get to live those thrills through someone else because we do need excitement. We do need adventure. We do need to be um, kind of thrilled in that way so that we feel comfortable balancing adventure and comfort in our own lives. Mm. Let's go have an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think that that sort of balance of adventure and comfort is? Is that something that you think about either in like the way you, you look at a new piece of Star Wars or the way you look at your Tuesday? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I love my routines. I love my comforts probably too much. But you talked about 
new things. I, I, oh God, I don't know if I've talked about this before. I apologize if I do, but it's like new music from an artist you love. There's always a case. There's always a, it's not as good as their last album, but that album, you were like, it's not as good as their last album because it's just new. And you've got to go on the adventure of their journey and their emotions in those songs. If it's one of your favorite bands, you know, I'm a big music guy, as you all know, and I love it. And it's like, that's the journey of every album or every single or something. So you're always like, ah, oh, but they went a different direction. I was so in a comfort zone with the last album, <laughs> you know, but it's like, and then a year later, you're like, man, this album really hit me on a level. And I think Star Wars does that too. It, it is a balance. Uh, I want some ATSDs clamping around uh, Jetta City and I want to be like, yeah, I know that. That's familiar. Um, but I also want to go into new places uh, of the story, of the characters and of the emotions. And, and it is, it's tough. It's, and we forget. And, and comfort is never a great thing, but it's not a bad thing. Uh, a little comfort's okay. And we want to feel like we're swimming around in Star Wars, but we want to learn new things. And that is an emotional adventure. Yeah, it's like comfort is the past and adventure is the future. You know, without adventure, you don't evolve. And I think that's what a lot of the sequel trilogy storytelling is about. And and even going back to, you know, Luke wanting to be a Jedi like his father is that sort of the the comfort of the past, but it's also the adventure of the future. And I just love uh, I love all those ideas in the way different ways they emerge in Star Wars. And I was really happy it was kind of such a a focus of this story. Uh, one last big theme I want to talk about, and, and you already spoke eloquently about this, is that there was just a lot of actual literal wrestling with killing, <laughs> with uh, when it's justifiable and why. Uh, Poe is, you know, increasingly upset by the Spice Runner's unnecessary killing, which he starts to really come up with ways to define it for himself of like, oh, well, those people were just chasing us but they maybe weren't going to kill us so it's not quite self-defense and oh but you maybe it's self-defense but also you wanted to eliminate them because they're competition so if you wanted to eliminate them because they're competition then that's straight up murder but then all at the same time he actively wants to murder <laughs> the slaver alfred soton as just like a form of justice as well if we let him go he's just going to do this again and it's totally just absolutely like hi i'm poe dameron <laughs> judge jury executioner this guy's got to die that's not murder it's justice um and up until the end where zori wrestles with the nature of the way in which her mother's ever bliss is going to kill all the other uh mercenaries and, and uh, bounty hunters up until that, where Zori questions at the end, she just kind of sees death as a necessary part of the business of being a spice runner, of protecting her family. It's naive to think that's not important. And so she's just kind of okay with it. And then the part that you really spoke about eloquently is uh, Selethun tips over from justice to vengeance. And, and she's very aware of it, of like, yep, I, I've risen up to the ranks of the New Republic Security Bureau. Everybody thinks I'm a great agent. And it is because I'm going to kill the spice runners. <laughs> and that she's so clear about it and, and one of the other parts of this i like this discussion of when is killing necessary and what is it for i really like that both zeva bliss and selathun explicitly said not only do i want to kill my foes i want to do it in a way that makes a large galactic statement mm -hmm. i want it like zeva's trying to literally do it in a theater to make a statement out of it uh so the word rings out of what what she did she's putting on a show of murder and Thune says a, a very similar thing about she doesn't want to just stop the Spice Runners. She doesn't want to just arrest them. She wants to eradicate them and make other uh, criminals fear the New Republic. Mm. Which, which isn't wrong, right? Like, I mean, on, on, a, on one level, right? You can, you, can, you can hear that and go, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> right? Sure. But what, what's the cost of that? And, and 
there's some real, real horrible, tragic trauma that Dune's been dealt. And I do think it's important to analyze, to acknowledge trauma, but how you, how you deal with it is also just as important. And it's not easy. None of it's easy. And so there is, we talk, the gray area in this book, Thune, a character that does not show up. I mean, I could have taken more Thune content, you know, like if this was more of a, uh, you know, try a lead character book. I thought she was, you know, she, she was nice spice on the side, but it really impacted me. Her death impacted me. I was yeah. really sad for her. Um, but also, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that can be the path. That's vengeance. Again, Yoda would tell you, e, e, maybe not do that. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We can continue to dive in, not to get lost on the, on the Thune path, but yeah. I think the Thune path is one of the one of the ones that really pops out because I think it's new to us. Like uh, I think pose wrestling with it was a fun surprise at that. I guess not a fun surprise. You would expect that. You would expect that he probably did some things that he wasn't proud of when he was with the Spice Runners, which is why he hasn't ever told anybody about it and is hoping to avoid it. And we get all that great conversation in Rise of Skywalker about it. So that kind of tracked uh, Zori being like, "Yep, it's naive to think that." You, you know, everybody else in the galaxy isn't trying to kill you, so you have to kill them first. It's, it's sorry, kid. That's just the way it is. Like uh, those perspectives are interesting and powerful. But Thune, there was a power of that because it does get into that gray area of it's unclear toward the end when the New Republic takes her off the Spice Runner case if it's because the New Republic is truly too thin in numbers and they're really prioritizing, and the Spice Runners aren't that big of a threat, or if they're neglecting their duty. Uh, so there's this moral ambiguity with the New Republic, but then not as much moral ambiguity with Thune is setting herself up for death, to have no backup and to just be like, I will do anything. I'm going to go there to kill her. Mm. Um, and, you know, yeah, and, and it's just sort of uh, unwise. Uh, you, you mentioned this. There are all these moments of uh, death and possible death. Were there deaths that you were rooting for? Were you like, yeah, Poe, kill that guy? <laughs> or were you, did you want Thune to slash Ziva Bliss's throat? Like, were there moments where you were bloodthirsty? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say Thune and, 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 and Ziva Bliss. Uh, I didn't, that's why I was like, okay, I was, I was, it's weird to say, happy that Alex Segura said, no, this is the cost of this character's decision is, is death. Um, I didn't, I would have felt cheated if if Thune suddenly emerges, uh, you know, like at the end of the movie in a in a you know in a arm sling. Oh man, we got through that. <laughs> I would have felt cheated. Um, but so I was a little bloodthirsty there. I, I mean, I totally get it with Soten too. But I also liked what Zori was doing. I liked that conversation. I, I like these lessons Poe has to learn. And look, there is a little bit of. Um, I understand, you know, this is a bad, dirty game, and Ziva's going to win it. And I like, I like winning. I, I, I'm a sports kid. I, 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 I want to win, but how do you win? <laughs> you know, do you want that? And for Ziva, I, I, it was an interesting conversation because I, I could totally first, first, first of all, I'll say this: this is an actual analysis of the plot. Um, as as it started to happen, and all the characters showed up, including I went, oh gosh, Joseph's going to be happy here. Um, I, I was like these wait a minute, like they're, like these are all, are they dumb smugglers? Do they not, like I wouldn't do this. And when, it, when it was revealed, like, no, she's going to kill them. I was like, okay, at least I don't feel dumb <laughs> for showing up. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that there was a, a little, a, I would have taken more from the other criminal's perspective of why they thought they had insurance and how she kind of double out Fox them. Cause yeah, I was like, have you guys ever seen a hollow? Have you ever I know, I know you, Boshek, hang out in cantinas. Have you never talked to another criminal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, aside, anyway, a, a mild criticism there. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think what I really appreciated about wrestling with these different ideas is I think a, Star Wars is violent and a lot of the violence I feel is, yeah, we're not going to dwell on it in the movie, but we know that it, this is self-defense. This is kill or be killed. And there, you know, you can dive into specific moments where characters try to avoid that. But then you look at it sometimes like, yeah, no, our heroes just straight up killed a lot of people. Um, and I like that this took us through that with Poe where like the first time he's seen, he sees some orange blood in the snow and like, Oh God, blood. That's awful. Um, and he's thinking about how his blaster is on stun and I'm reading the book going, yeah, but eventually he's just going to mow some people down because he has to. And I kind of like that the book did walk through that. And, and especially right at the end there, uh, when the Chagrian mm. is choking Poe to death mm-hmm. and there's kind of this, this cold, Poe distracts him and brings his blaster right up to the Chagrin's head and just blows him away. Mm. Uh, and that is such a clear, yeah, that's absolutely self-defense that Chagrin was about to snap your neck. Um, it, so the morality of Star Wars can be complex uh, and sometimes maybe even a little troubling uh, when, when it gets to to death. Uh, but I like that it was taking the time to see Poe go from, ooh, this is awful. Oh, I don't like it. Oh, sometimes it is absolutely necessary and I'm going to figure that out for myself. Yeah, I, I I love when those we have those uh, moments to wrestle with. I thought that the choking moment was great. Um, it's why we go back to that Battlefront Two Luke Skywalker moment of why are you hacking down all these stormtroopers? They're not any choice. And it's why. And I've I got to be done. I have not grown up. Definitely we keep talking about growing up. Uh, Star Wars fans and the pew pew pew. Yeah, you didn't you didn't stop and think uh, about those Ewoks killing the stormtroopers and you know having them for dinner. You you laughed about it, um, but it was also necessary. But to to Fallen Order. Uh, a lot of people love that game. I think it's a great game. But that was one of the first times ever, and I, I know we've had this conversation, and I had my friend Billy Patterson, who's been on Star Wars Rank before uh, with us. Like He texted me, not even knowing I was saying it on a podcast, just like, man, I'm just killing a lot of innocent animals. <laughs> and it just feel Jedi-like. And again, it's not a super big slam-the-door criticism of the game, but it's, it was one of the first times I've really remembered going, should I be doing this as a Star Wars character? Should I just be hacking things, including some of these stormtroopers? To, I, I don't know. And I just like that I finally had that thought in my head and that Poe has that thought too. Uh, it, it, it does track for the uh, emotional canon of uh, watching Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I think there's just always going to be that tension in Star Wars. It's a thrilling adventure. There's going to be casualties. And I like that there are many different times in the movies and sometimes books like this that really take a time to look at it. And for me as a fan, I'm okay with sometimes it just whooshes by in the course of an adventure and you you can have some headcanon or thoughts about it if you want. And then there's other storytelling that slows down and and looks at it. And I thought this book did a really good job of it. Poe also describes towards the end, he talks about how he feels bad about his choices, but he's good. He's glad that he made them, which was just kind of a great sort of statement on evolution and, and echoing the themes of the sequel trilogy. But then he describes that he doesn't want to die because to him, death is losing the chance to make more choices, both good and bad and grow that, Death is losing the chance to make choices. And I just wanted to highlight that in our uh, discussion of death because I thought that was really affecting and really powerful. And and to have this very young version of Poe 
kind of predict some of the journey he's going to go on of like, oh, that's what life is, man. You just got to keep making choices and keep refining yourself and keep evolving. And death is having that opportunity removed. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. I love that. Yeah. Uh, final question here on the big uh, theme discussion when we're talking about death. Do you think that Zori killed her mom? I think so. But that also doesn't necessarily align for me super much with the Zori I saw in Rise of Skywalker. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I wanted to her to kill her mom. <laughs> There's weird gray areas of morality. I don't yeah. know. I don't know because I don't think there'd ever be a great conference. It's not Emphis Nest. It's the opposite of, you know, as you know, when my mother wore the mask as well. I got to imagine, well, you know, though Emphis Nest's mother probably died, it was bittersweet, but I, I got to imagine there was tears of joy, love, support, and honor when that helmet switched, uh, when that mask switched hands. Not so much this one. Uh, and I don't even think if, if, if Ziva Bliss doesn't die in this moment, I down the line, I don't think it's a you know, come here, Zori. Yeah, you know, you and I've uh, I've been tough on you, but you <laughs> I don't think it's a sweet moment any way you slice it. And that's why I think some of it, some of Zori's the legacy is a little bit of a trap and a prison for her, whether or not she sees it or not. And I'm not, you know, again, great purpose. She has conviction in what she's doing in Rise of Skywalker. It it, it made the Rise of Skywalker more powerful for me. And this is a great credit to Alex Segura. That moment where she was like, I want to get out of here. It has a lot to do with the First Order coming here and the screams of the children and everything. But for Zori now to be like, I got to, I, the Spice Runners, all that's done. I, I got I want something else. Uh, that to me is her finally stepping out of this legacy prison that her mother has trapped her in. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So, yeah. I think, yeah. It's your question. I think yes. Yeah, I think I like the ambiguity of it and where it makes my head uh, spin toward because I, I like the through line that Poe had this very romantic idea that he was only in the Spice Runners for Zori and that he had this romantic idea that they would split off and they would be nice smugglers who yeah. <laughs> didn't yeah. do anything too morally questionable. That He's got a little bit of like, well, we'll go out and we'll Robin Hood it up together. Uh, and then she comes around to even the possibility of that at the end. I mean, he has said like, no, no, I, I was wrong. You know, anything in this life is going to be uh, amoral to me. I, I can't, I can't do it. And, and we leave Zori, you know, telling him to run away and furious. But then that leaves me with the, did she kill her mom out of, at that point, self-defense? Because uh, her mom's not going to be happy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and did Zori go on to run a slightly softer, kinder version of the Spice Runners? Like, mm. the mm. community and the family of the Spice Runners is very important to her, and we get that in Rise of Skywalker, so I like that. And, mm. you know, I like the, like, super anger of, yeah, no, I'm going to, I want to see your brains in the snow, that track. <laughs> yeah. But it very quickly as you're saying, turn to, but I realized the the game is over and and it's more important to survive. Uh, so I like I like that there was a little a little open ended there of exactly what happened with Zori, while also really clear where she was emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could take some uh, more uh, some more uh, Zori st storytelling. Zori and the Spice Runners coming soon to Disney Plus. You heard it here first. Thank you, did everybody. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, our, our look at themes uh, took uh, even longer than I thought it would, which is great because they're so juicy and we, you had some great thoughts, Ken. So let's uh, take a break now and then we'll be back to dive into all the other details we enjoy. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. 
Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Forcing on YouTube. Check it out. And we are back in a free fall to discuss more of Poe Dameron free fallen. Uh, in fact, let's just talk about that. What do you think of that title? Cause I'm free. Uh, that's me. I think about it. There was also, I was uh, trying to look up some notes on this today and there was a Freemaker adventure episode titled free fall. It so. seems like a good star Wars title. You, you got a lot of people flying around. They're going to fall sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. This actually kind of reminds me of the Tom Petty and heartbreaker song. Just, uh, a lot of, yeah, I don't know. They're on Ventura Boulevard at one point, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. The Ventura Boulevard of space. I guess that's Kajimi. That doesn't match up. That doesn't match up. We'll, we'll figure out what the Ventura Boulevard of space is someday. Uh, but for now, let's talk about uh, moments we particularly enjoyed. We talked about a lot of uh, big picture stuff with the themes. Uh, and I'm sure we mentioned a lot of our, our favorite moments there. But uh, other details for you that popped out. Uh, the, uh, I don't know. I kind of wanted to... Uh, jump into uh Boshek, but we'll, we'll wait for that uh <laughs> you know, a lot of little settings little planets i love the, some of the stuff on uh, yavin 4 uh just what it was what it became and i love talks of the old days there's little, those little things there there was little tiny bits and information we can dive into but i just like i like as we're so close to the 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 fall of the empire here it's it's it poe of all the new characters he doesn't think you know these are legends he's like no i yeah i i know i saw my dad's you know dog tags <laughs> like it, it's all real so i just i love the feel that he did a good job and there was a lot of little details along the way we, we can dive into okay yeah it was just kind of the picture of the galaxy and yeah. and what you have for being so connected to the history of the rebellion and all those kind of details yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And how, how Poe felt that and knew, knew that. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, one of the big things for me was just uh, the droid EV-6B6. Uh, I like that little through line that, you know, Poe is like a very charming, very full of life kind of guy. So, of course, he'd be really uh, engaged with people. I like hearing that he uh, hung out at the <laughs> bar on Yavin 4 <laughs> trying to get, uh, you know, some serve some underage drinks, it sounded like. Uh, so that at first he wasn't uh, sure of droids. And it was like, okay, is this... A I was afraid it was going to be too cheeky of a setup for he eventually becomes best buds with BB-8. Uh, mm -hmm. But I thought it was done really well. And I just... I feel like every writer who comes into Star Wars and has an opportunity, there's just such a a rush to be like, what's the quirky droid? Um, and sometimes uh, I think that there are times where the quirky droid is is getting to be similar. Like, you know, we've got a couple of murder droids. We've got a couple of sarcastic won't shut up droids. Yeah. Uh, so I really, really appreciated that EV-6B6 was in that great pantheon of a droid with a very specific personality that has developed, but was a different take of just the 
endless positivity. Uh, a couple of the quotes uh, the, of saying, I believe in you when they're in the middle of a horrible firefight in space, uh, looking at a, a dank room where something horrible is going to happen and says, this seems quaint and cozy. Uh, mm-hmm. And when, when Poe and Zori are, are about to come to actually uh, attacking and hurting one another, he says, or she says, Evie is a uh, uh, female programming. Evie6b6 says, uh, sometimes a little privacy helps when a couple is uh, and like, it's so great. I think it's partially for me uh, growing up in Minnesota. It's one of those stereotypes that uh, has an element of truth to it of the uh, not even passive aggressive, just that like we really don't like to make a scene. We really want to make things be pleasant, uh, even when it's obvious that there's tension. Let's right. f- uh, let's focus on something like that. That stereotype really has an element of truth in, in my experience uh, growing up where like, Oh, the family just had a fought, uh, fight. Let's talk about how great the gravy is this year and not talk about this obvious fight that's happening at the dinner table. Just focus on the gravy, focus on the gravy. And I like that characterization for a droid. Always focus on the gravy. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel about EV six P six? Uh, I, I did end up liking EV uh, a lot. Uh, it is, you're right. It, it, it's no fault of anyone creating these star Wars stories. There's always going to be a droid. There's always going to be a new droid. And I'm glad uh, that's it's thanks to 3PO and R2. That is a tradition we get to enjoy. And so far, you know, I generally really enjoy all of them. I enjoy K2SO. I, I think I came to enjoy L3 more than I did upon first viewing. Uh, and I do do love what she represents. Uh, Dio is a latest example of did we need another cute little droid? Well, for that story, we did. It served a great purpose. And, and I liked Dio. Uh, you know, so I'm always going to be well uh, open to it. Um, but they can get sometimes too similar and it is a thing. I do like, uh, this is the opposite of, of Marvin, the paranoid Android from hit actors. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed, like I found like when she, the first death, um, uh, of the character, I, I, I did have a, have a thought of, man, it'd be great if Babu was <laughs> in the story and Oh, Hey, look at that. <laughs> uh, and I was happy and then sad to see her go. Yeah, yeah, I was not expecting that, so that was great. Um, another thing I really enjoyed was just, uh, the, I did enjoy the romance in the different shades of kinds of intimacy between Poe and Zori. I know this is, you know, a young adult book, so I think it's, a, you know, a great place to have some Star Wars romance. It makes perfect sense. Uh, but I like that there's lots of different nuances of it, that some of it was just the utter um, comfort of being around someone your same age, and there's that great early... Um, talk at the campfire where they are supposed to be going to sleep, but they're both saying like, yeah, no, my dad would really be mad at me. And (laughs) Zori's like, yeah, so would my mom. Yeah, I get that. Uh, It's great foreshadowing and great that just true emotional intimacy and then just the actual physical intimacy. I like that there was times where even that they were not sure where they were, but they could still lean in and kiss each other. (laughs) And like that, that great level of honesty of the, the doubt in the chemistry and all of it. I really enjoyed the romance. Yeah, I did think it worked. You were, you know, expected. You wanted a little bit of their answers, and and why there was clearly a connection to Rise of Skywalker, but clearly some boundaries uh, uh, that Zori had up uh, with good reason. And to see it here uh, play out a little bit, I, I thought it was just right. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- another thing that I wanted to call out in particular is I just love the lurkers, the <laughs> amphibious, acid-spitting swamp creatures, because I want some of this stuff in Star Wars that's like, this is literally straight off the cover of an old pulp yeah. magazine. And the the fact that this, you know, just, hey, if you ran- land on a random planet in Star Wars, there's very good choice that something's going to eat 
kill or spit <laughs> at you. They're all the above. So I loved how just B movie they were. And then on top of that, that they, you know, did the horrible slashing of Cass Dameron and, and, and uh, went straight from the B movie to kind of some of the most important emotional scenes of the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do know their legends. I don't know where I don't follow those, um, but uh, it works exactly how you described. And yeah, you're right. Every, every, Every Star Wars book has some really deep cut stuff that just flies over my head a lot of just, and then thank you to Alex and Molly, Star Wars Explained, always filling some blanks for me. Um, yeah, but it worked for me. I don't need, you don't need to feed the connection. And uh, it did lead anything with Cass and, and Poe having moments, man, were some of my big, big favorite things uh, that you talk about what I particularly enjoyed. That was, that was, that was that, them talking. Yeah, yeah, and I really like that. Absolutely feeling Poe totally pinned between I have to make a decision right now and I'm not in a place to do it. And then, you know, the horror of his father being injured and Lulu is the kind of the <laughs> the cool uncle being like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, need, I need to take your father to safety, but just remember I'm always here for you and remember who you are and who you want to be and bye. Bye. <laughs> But yeah, it's, um, really emotionally strong and, and a great, you know, I think really great writing to be not to, to have that specific moment, that specific beat that changes things for Poe, but still has that. It's that great Star Wars uh, storytelling of of great mentor teacher uh, ideas of, you know, the mentor and the teacher can open the door for you and kind of point you in what they think is the right direction. But you got to walk through it. And I think that scene really sold that idea. Uh, any other major moments that you liked or should we move on to things that we weren't sure about or wrestled with? You can move on. Yeah. And okay. a, lot I love, a lot I love, but I want to talk about it in the canon stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So anything you wrestled with, you kind of alluded to some stuff earlier. I, so some of the ending, the mechanics of the ending, this isn't, so I'm not lobbing some huge criticism grenades at it. Just I, I, and reading it, just how it works. Some of the interactions, Poe with the guards, not not clunky dialogue that was bad just like it was it, the the mechanics of the final sequence i it just i would almost want to revisit and make sure i got right you know sometimes you have to read a book and go did i did i picture it as described did i or did i create this are they in a pillow factory but really they're <laughs> gladiator arena uh or in my head anyways yeah. that, that for me um so some of it and then the spice runners I guess it's it's a. Uh, I'm curious. So you talk about uh, not that I question, but maybe wrestled with a bit of just. I want to know a little bit more about them, where they came from. Uh, the you know, the, they have this real simple. The Spice Runners of Kajimi. Like you couldn't think of anything else from your for your band, huh? But then <laughs> at the same time, Guavian Death Gang, pretty on the nose too. So not uh, not a problem. With that. And they don't even have noses. And they don't even have noses. Um, but like. The history of it in the past, again, this, I don't know, not wouldn't say the passing of the helmet, but the taking of the helmet, potentially. Just what it means and why Ziva, what she did. If I have, you know, like, did I need them to be this giant, um, this is like weird tradition type of thing. Like the Spice Runners have been around for a thousand generations. Not that they were, not that they said that they were, but it had that feel to me. And I don't know. I was like, okay, I see where I, I got to see where I what I feel with that. Maybe when I watch rise of Skywalker again, cause I've always loved Zori's helmet. Right. And so I got the answer. I'm like, okay, was it too big of an answer? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you said a lot of interesting things. Uh, I, and I would rambling things. Forget no, 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 uh, not at all rambling, uh, uh efficient. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I, yeah, I agree with the ending. I really love the picture of this gladiator arena to make a show of <laughs> destroying her rivals. But there were a couple moments where I was a little just confused spatially um, and just made some assumptions so I could keep reading the fun adventure. And then I think the other thing, the conversations with the guards with Poe, I think that late in the book, it was new information to me. It made sense, but it was new information that Poe was now high enough up in the organization that he could give orders. Wow. And they would be mostly unquestioned. And I think that's the thing I bumped on a little bit of like, maybe that was really that attempt to leave room of like, no, Poe's been on Kajimi for a little while. And he's he's really considered a spice runner, capital S, capital R of Kajimi. Yeah. Uh, and we want to leave room for that story. But I think I think those wouldn't have felt clunky if I had known ahead of time of like, no, but he's, he's now like one of the lieutenants. He's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the helmet thing I really enjoyed, but I think I did have some defensiveness towards Enfys Nest story because mm-hmm. that's that line that we love in Solo. It implies so much. And I think uh, so many of us are clamoring for Enfys Nest storytelling and to maybe hear a little bit more about the history and the legacy of that helmet and that tradition. Um, and I hope that in, in other fans' eyes, this doesn't take away from that, that yeah. these can be two different stories because it is very much in line with lots of Star Wars storytelling that uh, masks have heritage and that legacy and things get passed on. And it, I think it's going to be a very different story. But I did I did think about that for myself. Yeah. Um, I, then I think for the other things I questioned is, yeah, I, I was, that was new information that I, Rise of Skywalker, it felt like the Spice Runners are a gang. They run Spice, like, uh, you know, lower cap Spice Runner. And that was new information that that's the name of the group, that they're, a, you know, at least at this time, a big deal. And they are, Capital S, Capital R, the Spice Runners of Kajimi, um, which I didn't, I didn't dislike. It was just, you know, I had to kind of think about how that fit with my other perception. I wouldn't have minded since it touched on morality so much. I was expecting maybe to actually deal with the spice part of it, um, particularly since that had just been highlighted in the Clone Wars. Of like, yeah, it it's can be used as a drug. It can also be used as a medicine. So I was curious if it was going to go any anywhere with with that, since it's right in their name. Of was that not only like the thieving and the murdering and the double crossing, but the actual, like, are they running drugs or are they stealing medicine, you know, and selling it, you know, in in a way. Yeah. So, uh, I think some of the, most of my questions wrestled with are, I, I questioned whether or not, um, we could have had more. Um, I also questioned uh, the lack of clarity on Shara's death. And I think at one point they said alone in space and there was a couple lines that made me feel like maybe she did something a little too adventurous, mm-hmm. but you know, but her A wing was still there. And and I even I checked her Wikipedia article, and you know, there's been lots of storytelling with Poe's uh, memories of, of Shara and all, all the the great stuff in the the um, Shattered Empire. Right. But I don't think there is specificity on her death. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have been on a mission with the New Republic or fighting, you know, just a joyroid gone wrong. Yeah, I do have those questions, which you and I are often excited by, hey, what we could get. So I think one day we might get that answer. It probably isn't going to be as big as we might want it to be. Maybe it's not a book-worthy, uh, book-worthy event. But yeah, I um, that can inside of me did kind of keep coming back to that and, and want, want the answer. So I'll choose to be excited about when that answer comes. But I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think the one of the reasons it pinged for me is early in the book, it felt like a, it was th- the nature of her death was going to factor into why Kes yeah. felt the way he did, not just about the loss 
of his wife, uh, which was, you know, beautifully written of young Poe seeing his father hunched over weeping was beautiful and, and affecting. Um, but I thought it was going to kind of play into a little bit more of Poe's decision of like, uh, did she die in a way courting, courting adventure in a way that, that was who she was and it was never going to stop, but might affect Poe. Uh, so yeah. So I think I, it, that was a little bit of me setting up my own expectation. And then this is an incredibly tiny, uh, pedantic canon thing. Uh, not even pedantic, a pedantic wish. Uh, I love the setup in Shattered Empire that Luke gives the force tree to mm. Shara and Cass. And I, I would have just loved a mention of it, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just because I, I like that detail. And I know that at one point people were like, Poe's going to be force sensitive because he grew up, <laughs> he, he was eating the sap of the force tree and it gave him force sap powers or whatever. But uh, it's a great connection to the larger galaxy that I would have loved to see. See mention. Totally. Uh, all right, let's move on to some of the canon moments or ideas. Uh, I, I had written down this idea that Yavin 4 was uh, currently, in, in this era, obviously people lived there long ago to make those awesome um, Masasi temples. Uh, but I like this idea that rebels, like mo- it was mostly rebels going, we want a quiet life. You know, that moon was real nice. Let's just go back there. Uh, so I really like that. You mentioned that you liked a lot of the stuff around the settling of Yavin 4 and what it meant for uh, these retired uh, rebellion fighters. What, what, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's one of those times where you get a new piece of information in canon. We got the going, going in The Force Awakens. Poe was from Yavin 4. We get Shattered Empire. We hear that Oscar Isaac kind of suggested his location to honor his Guatemalan heritage. And like, so it all kind of works. And it's a great bit of information. And you got to fill it out sometimes. And I just love that this is kind of the best answer we got from because, you know, the Empire goes back there searching for the rebels. You know, there's during the Galactic Civil War. Uh, Afra's there at one point uh, looking for things. But to see after the war, have it settled. And, and what you just described, it's just like, Man, that took a toll of us. Where should we go? Endor, maybe. I could absolutely see a rebel village on Endor. <laughs> you don't get to retire to Endor and open up a gift shop. Like, there you go. I can see that. But Yavin makes some sense. Yavin 4, uh, you know, Scarif, quite frankly, makes some sense. We'll get that storytelling. Uh, but I just liked it. But I also liked it wasn't super, it didn't come off as a super happy place, right? I don't know. But it did. It really works for me is a your parents have lived a life and they're ready to just settle down in a small town and you're born there and you're like got to get out of here and they're not wrong and you're not wrong (laughs) yeah i love that story that hey this is what we actually fought for some of us have survived ever since the battle of yavin and we were scared to death looking out at this beautiful planet and thinking what if we could just enjoy the sun what if we could just farm the land and sleep and then pose like this sucks your whole dream you fought for so boring <laughs> yeah you know look i keep joking here in other podcasts but i'm ready just to move to big bear where i go up on the mountain podcast buy some uh frozen pizzas and never come down again <laughs> you know and like i don't have kids but if i did they'd be like why do we live on a mountain dad you 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 gotten to entertainment so you could go live on a hill no and i'm there in my life <laughs> so i am Cameron. we we fought a war for this yeah the, you're hell right we did fight fight a war for this this is great i got my local bar the liquor store all i need <laughs> what, what you like i got a place i can buy action figures and frozen pizza i'm good kid you're gonna have to live here uh I love also as a side note what you're saying about scarif and, and this is gonna be my head cannon until the story is told i want that 
Watto survived, his fortunes turned around in life, and he is selling timeshares on Scarif. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you want to buy a timeshare? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can help me out with some people who aren't paying their timeshare, Jedi. Um, moving on to the just the general state of the New Republic itself. Uh, it has felt very much in line with the ideas in The Mandalorian uh, that there are these different criminal organizations uh, struggling for dominance, in particular that the uh, Pike's uh, hold over Kessel was falling apart and that there's a real competition for dominance of the, the Kessel spice trade. And these ideas that the New Republic is either too thin and stretched out or too apathetic about the Outer Rim to control it. And I don't feel like an answer was told to us. I feel like perspectives of characters were given to us like that either. The New Republic means really well, but we only have so many resources and we're only willing to be uh, so uh, sort of um, forward uh, with... with uh, with uh, weapons and control. Like, we, you know, we don't want to be too militant. That was the word I was searching for. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're like, they they care about their core worlds and pacifying those people. Or, the, you know, maybe mid-rim if you have a resource. But the outer rim, they're just apathetic and it's morally bankrupt. And so we should fill the vacuum. Uh, how did you feel about that New Republic storytelling? This is actually one of my little favorite moments in the book in terms of just reveals. We... Going back to 2015, the state of the galaxy has been something we've all talked about, not just us, but any any Star Wars podcast, any Star Wars, the state of the galaxy. And I love it. I'm obsessed with learning more of it. I'm obsessed with, we always talk about the Ewok party and the day after and what really would happen when the galaxy uh, conquers the, the bad guys. And I think this, and page 304 is really, this is the biggest note I took, Joseph, for the series. <laughs> the idea that that fighting off the Imperials that are still existent, still there, not everyone with the unknown regions. Again, you bring a Mandalorian, Moff Gideon, we're going to learn more there. Fighting them off. The New Republic's involved in that to a certain degree. Um, cost them energy. Cost them momentum is a big thing for me, too. Because then you also got Mon Mothman, we know, going, hey, we should stand down a bit, demilitarize, uh, you know, uh, the, that big uh, plot point and some of the bloodline, everything, which is an interesting path to go down and follow. So you got that. But then at the same time, you're trying to really f- snuff out these fires and you can't. And that's costing you just that's draining. Can we get to the we've won, right? We're still dealing with this. And then the the underworld, it grows. And so we know that with the, the empire we see in solos, when you talk about you and I talk about what that meant for the story of, of the rebellion versus the empire, what we see in solo of how the oppression, of the empire uh, pressed down and then the underworld grew. And now to have it kind of still going, that would create a lot of apathy from a lot of people. What did we win? Yeah, grief Karga just kind of have the, <laughs> you, you, know, you want to go report it to the new Republic. I love that little moment in Mandalorian. And so I think this feeling ties into that and all the way into rise of Skywalker where the victory finally had to come from the people being unified for something bigger. You and I have talked about the return of the Jedi victory is for the people, but it might be by a smaller group of the people, a, a military style victory and how the people, Finally, after their apathy maybe has been, and their fear, but apathy has also been erased. I think it touches on all of it, including stuff we haven't yet seen in Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. And it it makes me really interested to see how much more these ideas are going to be explored in Mandalorian. And I I like 
there there's complexity here. I like that there is a gray area and kind of blame to go around because I do like mm-hmm. the idea that the new republic would be like, well, we're, we're just getting kind of the old republic back up, and you know we're gonna we're gonna change a little bit. Mon Mothman's gonna hold it together by a force of personality. Leia is clearly arguing for you know the brightest and best uh, path and not backing down from challenges, but also being as moral as possible. I, I love that the book mm-hmm. ends on like, hey, even if there are problems with the new republic. There's our hero, Leia Organa, with kind of the right take and fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the idea that the New Republic is sort of sympathetic but flawed in that they'd be like, don't we want to be done fighting the war and just kind of get back to having everything uh, settled and not always be looking over our shoulder? And of course, that not only lets the crime thrive a little bit, but also leaves them susceptible to the apathy that the New Republic has uh, and the the uh, policy of appeasement towards the First Order. So it's great set up for that. But then on the other side, I think the same way when we talk uh, cl- the Clone Wars prequel era that I'm always into defending the Jedi, I, I have that same instinct to defend the New Republic of, well, some of it might just be because, yeah, they only do have so many resources and... They are trying to give people their freedom. They are trying not to be overly controlling and militant. I like in the new, uh, in the Mandalorian, when we see them, they're pretty damn efficient. They got a great prison ship run by droids. Uh, When they get called in in those X-Wings, they take care of business and people are afraid of them. So they don't seem entirely weak, which makes me feel like sometimes when we're hearing from the criminals, this is just a BS excuse. The criminals want to do and I'll say this even about Grief Karga, Grief Karga wants to make money from running this guild. It's a nice life. And instead of him going, I am making this choice and it is my moral responsibility, I'll blame it on the New Republic. Eh, you know what? The government's not perfect. So I guess I need to steal and kill. (laughs) Can also be like, you can have valid criticisms of the government, but then you can also use it as an excuse to let yourself off the hook for your own choices. Absolutely. And that's why it's so interesting. I think there's still more storytelling to be had. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we could go on and on about that, but we're not going to. We're going to move on to light speed skipping. Uh, We learned a little bit more about the specifics of it. Did you like seeing Poe learn this trick or was that a little bit too on the nose of we're going to explain how he learned that? Uh, it was on the nose. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. That happens a lot in these books that are writing back to the movies. Uh, you know, it's like Luke learning to fish with that spear in Legends of Luke Skywalker. It, it's it's on the nose, but it works for me. So I'm okay with it. Because um, I knew at some point, uh, I, I could totally get behind that Poe probably picked this trick up somewhere. It's known. People know of it, right? Ray's pretty upset. She wasn't like, you did what now? She's like, you light speed skipped. Um, so anyways, it worked for me. It was fun. And because it, it was early in the book and it was just kind of uh, setting the tone, I was there for it. Yeah, and, and I like just getting a little bit more specificity of like we you have set up this preordained jump points to basically an obstacle course hopping across the galaxy. So you're hoping to basically <laughs> make the people pursuing you smash into something, which I think the clarity of that of Poe went like, yeah, I'm going to pre-program that into the Falcon, even though, you know, it sounds like he maybe had a conversation with Ray about it. And she's like, don't do that. And he's like, cool, I'm going to. I'm going to. Uh, Sorgan. <laughs> You're a difficult man. You're difficult. <laughs> he is very difficult, romantic and difficult. Uh, Sorgan, this is, of course, a planet from the Mandalorian. This is, of course, where the child sips the bone broth uh, and many other uh, adventures happen, right? Um, 
I loved seeing a planet from the Mandalorian and really bringing that the Mandalorian into the rest of the Star Wars storytelling. How, how did you feel about that? I really enjoyed it for the reasons you, you stated of, uh, you know, we know Johnny Fav says the Mandalorian's its own little thing. You know, we're not really Star Wars, but you are and you're connected and, and we're looking for those type of little things. Those connections are fun. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of importance put on them in other, other, I don't know, different conversation. Uh, let me be positive, Joseph. I loved it. And I love that uh, this, 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 as Mandalorian rolls on and more details emerge and more details can be connected to other parts of the story. It just, it, it connects it in that fun way. This is just like, uh, uh, I'm excited in high Republic that we have a Staros running around and I can connect it to Santa Staros. I, I do enjoy it. And it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, and even, um, uh, with the Raiders, a uh, Clatoonian, right? We, we got, it could, could be connected. It's not, it's not totally stated, but there's some traditions of them running, raiding that area. Right. Oh yeah. So I liked that as well. Yeah, yeah. I just, I love the general uh, galaxy building. And I'm always, as we talked about earlier, open to additional parts of the story or new planets or places we've never heard of. But I also like that connective tissue when in Star Wars, we have been introduced to many, many places by generally somebody saying, yeah, this is a place where scum and bounty hunters and smugglers hang out when they don't want to be found. And it is nice sometimes to go like, oh, yeah, we've been here before because we follow a lot of scum who don't, don't want to be found. So to have Sorgan be one of those places like, it's it's really off the map. You can keep your head down and have that be in both Mandalorian and this was was cool. Mm, yeah. Uh, Guavian Death Gang. Uh, I love seeing the Guavian Death Gang. Uh, <laughs> and And we, you and I, got to dive in a little bit on them because we did that databank brawl with one where we read the databank and we learned some of this stuff, but it was great to see it in action in a story that they are humans with uh, cybernetic uh, additions. Uh, they got chemicals pumping through them to amplify rage and speed. Uh, I love those uh, ideas, so it was really great to see them in action and see them being truly terrifying to Poe and Zori. What did you think about the Guavian Death Gang? Yeah, I love the big win for me. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with them in a way. I love the design, but it's like, did they have their faces cut off? Are they in there? What's going on? Uh, uh, weird, weird, and I love it. Uh, you know, Amplify Rage uh, is something I could use around my printer. So I, I'm <laughs> fully on board for it. And yeah, just to, I actually, in a way, I, I perfectly use, I, uh, but in a way, like, wouldn't, I would have, wouldn't have minded more of them. Maybe not Balatik, but maybe Papatik showing up. Uh, I, I would have been okay with that and had them been uh, a little bit more present in the story. But otherwise, I, I just, yeah, I just love love the appearance. Yeah, I just always like a character like them that you can play up the menace where it's it was, yeah, no, 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 we're not going to win in a fight. We have to hide and do something clever, like, you know. You know, get the uh, get the station to let out gas and gas the Guavian Death Gang. So they must have noses somewhere. somewhere. Anyway, uh, let's move on to any other little fun details. We talked about kind of some of the big picture stuff we like, but any other tiny like uh, lines or little ideas that you wanted to highlight? Uh, I uh, yeah, I, um, I really love. For some reason, I love the description of, of Kajimi life. Uh, I love that it was tied to. There was uh, peaceful monasteries, and even Zori in the movie says, "You know, monks gate." Now we got a figure that's not Art Monk, the great NFL wide receiver, but now <laughs> monk. Uh, I so I really like that. Uh, anything with anything with Babu was a uh, was a, a win. You know, I, I I think Babu Frick would be very hard to write for. That is just that speak, the presence, and the expectations. It's it's one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars, right? Big win, big win for Shirley Anderson. 
it worked for me in the book. It worked for me, uh, his connection with Zori and even his connection with Poe that he wouldn't help, but he's still helping. And I liked that a lot. Uh, so yeah, I just, oddly enough, Kajimi's, I, I really like Jimmy as a planet and, and to get a little bit more of it, it really worked for me. Yeah, this, I agree with you. It was great to spend time on Kajimi. I think those were some great details in the visual dictionary that were, again, great to hear in a storytelling way, uh, allowed Alex Segura to make a, a rare Batman reference in uh, Star Wars where uh, the criminals are described as a cowardly, superstitious lot. <laughs> so even though they're criminals, they're still a little bit uh, intimidated by uh, the big, scary, old religious monasteries. <laughs> so I like that a lot. Um, th- same thing with uh, Babu was great. Um, I love the detail of Zori spending time growing up in Babu's workshop and seeing that, hey, this this is, she had this really uh, hard-nosed, domineering, violent mother and was expected to be like that. But then there was these elements that made her feel like the Spice Runners was uh, a family and opened that part of uh, Zori that was a little bit more, um, friendly and loving and, and intimate. And you can see that by like, I used to hang out in his droid shop all the time and have fun with this, you know, Babu Frick, the galaxy's ultimate weird uncle. Yeah. Um, it was great. And, and then to connect that tenderness to Zori bringing EV6B6 to be rebuilt. And that was all great. I love that. Even that moment where even they, Poe and Zoe weren't getting along great, that they kiss and then <laughs> Babu bangs on metal and says, I'm here, no kissy kissy. <laughs> There's one of those lines of like, uh, in a di- different time in my life, I would have thought I'm here. No kissy kissy was, you know, too cute. <laughs> and now I just think it's hilarious. Here, no kissy kissy. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have a Baba Frick voice. I'm sorry. Uh, well, we, we will work on uh, when we do a uh, force center impressions podcast, we will work on Babu. Uh, a couple other just incredibly tiny details for me early on when Poe had crashed. Uh, there was a passage where he said where Poe po realized that he still had all his teeth, always a bright side for Poe. <laughs> the great, charming way to describe a guy who, who crashes a lot. Mm-hmm. And then right at the end, there's this great element where uh, Poe briefly thinks that Sila uh, Troon came there for him. Yeah, which is it ties well to the Poe that we know in the sequel trilogy, who sometimes can kind of like center himself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's one of the lessons he needs to learn. It's like it's not about you always, you know. Yep, that track. Yeah, um, and then the last thing is uh, I love the appearance of Boshek. What did you think about Boshek popping I mean, up? Not quite uh, that weirdo being the singer that you wanted him to be, a little Dreamak in uh, solo. Um, but when I saw Boshek, I actually had to stop and read it again. I was like, wait a minute. Did I just, that was, that's Boshek. Oh gosh, Joseph's going to be so happy. Um, <laughs> and then I did a quick timeline check. I was like, okay, he'd be all right. This is eight years. This is eight, uh, what, no, no, 14 years after Jedi, which is, so we get 17 years. All right. So Boshek be, yeah. Okay. This tracks, this tracks. Oh, I totally like it. And, uh, there was also some other cool characters from uh, I think what uh, Rogue One uh, character was on Jetta character in Ford Ipso and Solo, you know, always I love those little references. A lot of Legends characters show up in this stuff, uh, but 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 Boshek, I don't know. I and I'm I know, and I'm glad he didn't die. Here's what I was worried about, Joseph. When Ziva Bliss is going to kill them all, I'm like, this can't be the end of Boshek. No, I can't accept it. And and it's not. 
Boshek deserves a larger story, damn it. Uh, yeah, it, and that was really fun too. To you know, I was uh, moving fast and wanted to kind of stay in the story uh, when I was thrilled with Boshek. And then I looked up one of the other characters because the name sounded familiar. Like, oh yeah, she was in uh, at Fort Ipso in Solo. Uh, and then it, it was kind of fun to just allow myself to go like, and every other character who's being named is probably from somewhere, but I'm just not going to Google it right now. <laughs> I'm going to let yeah. myself read the damn book. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies, Star Wars this. Uh, yeah, the one of the the one Poe flies off with at the end is is from uh, Black Spire, uh, the Black Spire Outpost book. Uh, cool connections. Again, a shout yeah. out to Alex and Molly. They're so great with putting those videos out. If you need the facts, uh, I am bad at that. Yeah, and I, I like I recognized uh, was it Cade Zaliday right away, but had to remind myself exactly where uh, that character was from. Oh. But yeah. Yeah, no, you know what I did? Because you, you're better at this than I, uh, Joseph, where you'll stop and, and maybe Wikipedia a, a, a species just be like, all right, that is who, who I think it is. For the first time ever, I did that. I oh, like, yeah? What species is this? It's like a flugin or something like that, like you said. And uh, I typed it up and I was like, oh, it's it's brand new to this story. Damn it. So I shouldn't have recognized it. I was like, God bless it. Yeah, I think that was Smatku. That yeah. the uh, yeah, he was like yeah. Uh, um, oh no, he was a Gordelian, but he was also new right. to the story. But yeah, there are a couple ones that that were new, and that's always fun to discover. Uh, but yeah. I did discover the species of yak face, which I did not know before because I googled that one. There you go. Uh, but lots of lots of great aliens, uh, alien species seen in new and similar ways, and oh, great high quality Boshek content. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, I wanted to talk about hopes for the future of Poe Dameron storytelling. If there's other stories you want to see with Poe Dameron, or other stories that were inspired that by reading this, that you said, "Ooh, I want to hear hear see more of that." We have because of the comic series, which is really good. Has some weird moments. He the big space eggs and weird monsters at times. But there's a lot in that Poe Dameron comic that's just some of my favorite stuff in modern era Star Wars. Check it out if you haven't. So we've got a lot with Poe, but I think there's room. We know going forward. We talked about it in the Republic Reborn episode. There's a lot there that we maybe not going to get uh, even even a book form. Maybe not yet. But going back to this era. You know, you talked about going into some of the details of the story, some of the months that we have to play with. I wouldn't mind that. I don't I don't anticipate that. But all right. So we have a lot of questions of when, when and how he joins the New Republic. We got the Before the Awakening short story, which answers some of those questions. The comic does. I'd like to see a very free-spirited, independent, I know what it takes to be a hero, Poe, joining the New Republic. And joining their military and button heads and learning that, I don't know, that could be interesting to me too. Yeah, I thought about that too, that since it set him up now for his the next part of his adventure, I would love to see New Republic adventures uh, with Poe Dameron. Because I think uh, given the way they've been setting up the New Republic, it's not everything was perfect. So it'd be great to see him go on some, you know, thrilling adventures. And uh, it would be great to see him avoid the Spice Runners or avoid Kajimi. Yeah. Um I think there's a I, I felt like this book ended on like that could absolutely be the last time that he and Zori saw one another. But it also felt like there was room for the possibility that they had seen another one another one other time uh, in the way he's like, oh, Kajimi uh, in Rise of Skywalker. It all worked if it's just this. But I also like the idea of dealing with him, either running into them somewhere or like really trying to sort of pivot on like 
yeah, our mission could take us there or it could take us over here because I don't want to deal with this. Can we can we get the Star Wars version of what what's the uh, before sunset, before sunrise? Uh, <laughs> can we get that where it's like the, it's the second one where they're talking about the relationship and they just have 11 hours in a spaceport <laughs> or 11 hours on Kajimi? Oh yeah, I would love that. I would love the uh, Poe and Zori uh, before uh, before Kajimi, after Kajimi, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be great. Um, I would love some Zori in the Spice Runner stories. Now that now that we've met her, and and it would be great to just see her in her own book. You know, early on in her uh, tenure as the leader of the Spice Runners, and then also Sila Thune really inspired me. Uh, in this era of storytelling about the New Republic, uh, and in particular the New Republic Security Bureau. I would be more than happy to just have a New Republic Security Bureau story with like, who is the leader of that? Who is the star of that? What kind of things do they get up to? You know, is there a time where they're ever like, look, we've got this big problem that needs to be shut down. We're going to ask Luke Skywalker for help. And does Luke say yes? Does he say no? Like there's some there's more interesting room to tell, I think, very fun adventures in this era of the New Republic than I had been previously imagining. So I'd be really excited for that. Well, you know what, because it, it could remind me, I love reading stuff of uh, 33, 34, uh, Hoover and the launching of the FBI. It's some of my favorite stuff. Book Public Enemies by Brian Burroughs is one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, and, 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 the, and the Depp movie, actually, not that bad, I'll say, the Michael Mann movie. Um, you could get that kind of storytelling. And if I just even if it's just a character, I don't know, maybe a book, a series, yeah, I get maybe that wouldn't be. It's super exciting, but uh, Mando season three, vague tweet it, my friends, an agent come along. It, it's a little bit like um, uh, Boardwalk Empire and Michael Shannon's character of uh, you, you, uh, 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 a complicated kind of actually weird uh, troubled man uh, with a badge in a world of gangsters, you know, and trying to get through it. And uh, a character like that with Seal of Thud, you're right. Like, uh, what motivates them and what they're trying to do and what they're running, running up against in their own agency. Uh, uh, there's something there. There's legs. Yeah. And so a character like, yeah, the Michael Shannon in, in uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, like, yeah, I mean, he, he's deviant. He's got some issues, right? And <laughs> thing, things don't go well for him. Um, he's got some issues. Uh, but I would love a character who is just kind of all in on the New Republic and like, you criminals always bad mouthing us and i am clear in my convictions yeah we're not perfect but i am out here on the side of right damn it and have that play up against you know the vision of people uh, in characters like grief karga or the mando uh, that, that would be really interesting to me mm-hmm. uh we're gonna wrap up as we always do with a fun question ken if you could spend one day with poe dameron what would you want to do well, let me tell you, um, look, uh, lip biting jackets aside, I think Poe strikes me and I think Oscar Isaac strikes me as the type of guy. And there you go. They're all one in the same forever. I would, I would like to go to Vegas or <laughs> not for wild, crazy adventures, but he's just a t- like New York city. Like, like I love hitting New York city for like schmodowns or comedy shows and Ellis is great to hit the town with, but someone like Josh McCook is just like, we're going to end up drunk at a McDonald's 4 a.m. in Times Square and we're going to have fun and we're going to talk about it for years after. I think Poe's that guy when he wants to be. He's got a serious side. He's got an important side. He's a hero. He's a leader. But also he's he's that guy who's like in the hotel lobby like, all right, we're checked in. Boom. Let's go have some fun. And I'm there for that. Right. Yeah. He is definitely that kind of guy where you sit down and you're like, what are we going to do? Like, We're going to make some memories. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to hit the town and it's going to be interesting. We'll make it interesting. 
What's Star yeah. Wars? Swingers with uh, <laughs> Vegas baby. Canto bite. <laughs> yeah. I think my answer was going to be, uh, you know, there's movies like this where there's some sort of like uh, organized treasure hunt spread across Los Angeles. Uh, because, look, mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend time with Poe Dameron, I want to let him fly or drive. And I would be so thrilled to see the challenge of Poe Dameron. Uh, please get in my earth car. You can drive my Toyota Yaris. You have yeah. to deal with the traffic of Los Angeles and we're on a treasure hunt. Can yeah. you get through the traffic without, you know, hurting anything? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm sure he would say to me, I can drive anything. Let's get in that Yaris and go. <laughs> and I would enjoy it very much. That is our look uh, at Poe Dameron Freefall, a really great Star Wars book with lots of great Star Wars ideas, as always. Ken, uh, do you want to run us through all the places that Force Center can be found? Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening always, but now more than ever. And Force Center friends, you can find us on Twitter, Force Center Pod. Join the conversation at the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page. We're on Instagram, YouTube. Do subscribe over there. Had a bit of a un, uh, we had to pause some activity on YouTube. Uh, our, our editor wouldn't lived his life. Uh, got secretly married and uh, a lot of things going on. So some in memoriams returning. And we got a special, uh, speaking of Poe Dameron, we got a special uh, guest coming soon to Star Wars Show and Tell. Uh, so do pop over to YouTube and check us out there. Podcasts available in a lot of spots. Uh, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Podcast and more. If it's on uh, not on some place you want it to be, let us know. We have merch available. Tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash force center. Cooking up some ideas for the new year over there. We You uh, can follow us on our own stuff. You can go to at Ken Napsock for my uh, stuff, including my baseball podcast at Box Score Heroes, or go to KenNapsock.com for more information. And for Joseph, they have many options for you as well. That's right. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can follow all my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Thanks, as always, for listening and for diving deep uh, with us. So for myself, uh, for Ken, for Babu, Frick, Zori, Bliss, and for Poe Dameron himself, I'm glad we still have all our teeth. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.